0: Welcome to Investing Compass. Before we begin, a quick note that the information contained in this podcast is general in nature. It does not take into consideration your personal situation, circumstances, or needs.
1: Okay, Shani, we have a couple updates on the Loxa front.
0: We do.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we mentioned two restaurants a lot on here. Yes. The Gidley. Burgers in Sydney, and then this Dixon Noodle House that mm-hmm. you love in Canberra. Uh, yeah. So a couple of updates. I actually, I've,
0: well, I've got an update. I've planned a trip to Canberra <laughs> in two weeks, which is why I asked you for annual leave.
1: No, I'm aware. Then you sent me a photo of little loxa bowls <laughs> over like your hotel booking. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Shawnee's going to go spend a weekend in Canberra just to eat loxa. But we've talked about it so much. There, Do you remember Stephen? From I do, yeah. So he missed our conference because he went to Tasmania, which is a very legitimate reason. He went to Dixon Noodle House and sent us an email talking about the laksa.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not that impressed with it.
0: Yeah, he said it was tasty, but it wasn't the best. Ba- but he did give a disclaimer that he didn't like spicy food. So.
1: And had, lo- had, had laksa <laughs> one other time in his life. But anyway, so we've got that then. Thank you,
0: Stephen, for trying it. Yeah. Giving it a go. I feel like one of those, I feel like a parent whose child has disappointed (laughs) their teacher or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's a very strange feeling.
1: You've got more pressure coming up because Chris, who sent us a message on Instagram, Mm -hmm. he asked the name of the place again. You told him, and now he's going to go. Yeah. This is a lot of pressure for you. Yeah. Yeah. The other pressure going on, food related, is I am making nachos for you and Will today.
0: Mm -hmm. It's currently in the oven.
1: Yeah, it's currently unsupervised in the (laughs) oven at Shawnee's place. So we need to finish this episode so she can go home and make sure she's not burned down the entire building.
0: Yeah, so let's get through this thing.
1: Exactly, exactly. So we were recently in the US, Shawnee, and one day you said to me that you just paid $15 for a coffee.
0: Yeah, which was really a lot to pay, but it was especially a lot to pay for a bad coffee.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But the coffee, of course, when we were in the U.S., it didn't cost you $15. It was actually $10 U.S., Mm -hmm. but then you translated it back to Australian dollars.
0: Yeah, of course I did. I mean, I I get paid in Australian dollars, so it doesn't matter what something costs in U.S. dollars.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that most people understand this concept when traveling, but there tends to be a lot more confusion that occurs when we start to talk about investing. So today's episode, we're going to talk about how to think about currency when it comes to investing. And this was a requested episode and a question that we get a ton on webinars. So let's start out with the very basic, and then we can build up to some more complex concepts. So why don't you start out with the basic, Shani?
0: Oh, Did you just call me basic?
1: There, There's nothing basic about you, <laughs> Okay. All
0: right. Uh, well, let's use a very simple example of an Australian investor who wants to buy shares in Microsoft. Well, you have Australian dollars, but in order to buy Microsoft, you need US dollars. So the first thing you need to do is to exchange your Australian dollars to U.S. dollars, just like if you were going on a trip.
1: Yeah, and it's a good time to actually say that you don't have to do this yourself. Of course, your broker will do this for you. So just like your bank would do it for you if you were getting money out of an ATM in a different country. But many brokers will give you a pretty poor exchange rate because they use that as a way to make money. So just be conscious of that.
0: And once your broker has exchanged your Australian dollars into U.S. dollars, they will purchase your shares. Now, you have Microsoft shares, and those shares are priced in US dollars. Now, two things are going to happen. Every day, the share price is going to change. But every day, the exchange rate is also going to change.
1: And much like prison, there are only <laughs> two days that matter, the day you get in and the day you get out. What are you talking about? That is a quote from one of the best shows ever, <laughs> The Wire, which you would know if you hadn't used the DVD box set that I gave you to mock me and instead just watched it.
0: I can't believe you. I don't have a DVD player. <laughs>
1: You could have figured it out. Okay.
0: I'm I'm confident I made the right decision.
1: Okay. Well, it was expensive. But anyway, <laughs> so my little quote was saying that the price of the share and the exchange rate really matter on two days, the days that you buy and the day that you sell. So why don't you keep going with this example, Shani? Yes.
0: Yeah, so the day that you sell, the broker will sell the... S- the shares for US dollars at whatever the market price is, and then translate those US dollars back in Australian dollars. That means that the return you receive on this investment in Microsoft has two components, the change in the share price matter, but the changes in the exchange rate matter as well.
1: And I think this is where investors start to get confused. But very simply, what you want as an investor is for your home currency to depreciate or get weaker against the currency of the country you've invested in.
0: So if you're an Aussie investor and buy an American company, you want the Aussie dollar to get weaker against the US dollar during the time that you hold that share.
1: And that is true about any investment, a share, an ETF, a managed fund, anything. Now, in the case of a global ETF that's investing in multiple countries, you're going to have to think about the Australian dollar against all the different currencies for each country that that ETF is invested in.
0: So let's up the complexity level a little bit and talk about hedging. Hedging means to limit risk because some investors don't want to deal with the added complexity of worrying about currency movement. Many ETFs and funds have introduced a hedged version where they hedge or remove the currency risk.
1: And these funds and ETFs are exactly the same, meaning they have the exact same holdings, but for one of them, they remove the impact of changes in exchange rates. And the way they do this is by using currency forwards, which are derivatives that allow the ETF or fund company to lock in the current exchange rate.
0: And there is a cost to this, but it is slight, which we will get to in a second. But this option gives investors another option. They can buy the unhedged version where currency changes will impact returns, or the hedged version where currency changes don't impact returns. So Mark, the question we'll explore for the rest of this episode is, which one is better?
1: Yeah, and I know people are dying for this episode to end and are hoping I just answer the question and then we cue our closing music, but unfortunately, that's not going to (laughs) happen.
0: Well, first, you need to ask people to rate or comment.
1: Which they, of course, then won't do.
0: So (laughs) what is it, Mark?
1: Well, predictably, the answer is it depends.
0: And we'll explore this further, but what Mark means is that if the Australian dollar gets weaker over the course of your holding period, it's better to be in the unhedged version because those currency changes will add to your returns.
1: And if the Australian dollar gets stronger over your holding period, the hedge version will be better because it removes the negative impact of that currency movement.
0: So all you need to do now is figure out what's going to happen to the Aussie dollar against the currency of the country you are investing in.
1: Yeah. I mean, too easy, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. We should now talk a bit about the Australian dollar and currencies in general.
1: And we are generalizing here and we are looking at history. So of course, we need to say that anything can happen in the future.
0: The US dollar has traditionally been a safe haven. That means that when things go wrong, like now, for example, people want to hold dollars and they exchange other currencies for dollars. This demand for the U.S. dollar makes the dollar strengthen against other currencies.
1: And it's important to remember that the U.S. dollar is still pretty critical. So oil is priced in U.S. dollars, as are most commodities. In fact, lots of countries use the U.S. dollar as their unofficial currency. So I was in Cambodia a couple of months ago, and that's an example of a country that does that. The dollar also features prominently in rap songs. So, for instance, it's all about the Benjamins, <laughs> which, of course, is referring to Ben Franklin, who's on the $100 bill.
0: The $100 bill is also very popular with drug dealers. And there was actually a movement to ban them because it's so many drug dealers, human traffickers, and other criminals use them.
1: Of course, that was before inflation when you need to carry a $100 bill to buy coffee. <laughs> We're a bit off track. Yeah, in more <laughs> ways than one. But getting back to the original premise... Since the U.S. dollar generally appreciates when things are going wrong, that means that as an Australian investor, currency movements help out at times when market falls. And we've seen that this year. The market has fallen meaningfully in the U.S., but the Aussie dollar has also fallen meaningfully against the U.S. dollar.
0: And that means that if you didn't hedge your foreign investment, you made out better. So let's look at an example. On January 1st, one Australian dollar could be exchanged for 72 US cents. After a strong rally in the last week, one Australian dollar can now be exchanged for 65 US cents. We can use two ETFs to illustrate the impact. The iShares S&P 500 ETF with the ticker symbol IVV tracks the 500 largest companies in the US. The iShares S&P 500 AUD hedged ETF, which with the ticker symbol IHVV, tracks the 500 largest companies in the U.S. and removes the impact of currency movements on returns. The currency movement is removed using forward foreign exchange contracts and the impact of choosing the hedged or unhedged product this year has been stark. Through to the end of September, the unhedged product, IVB has return, has a return of minus 13.9%. The hedge product, IHVV, had a return of minus 24.72%. The weak Australian dollar has insulated investors from the true extent of the drop in U.S. shares.
1: And this is not a unique situation. So let's look at the GFC. In June of 2008, one Aussie dollar bought 96 U.S. cents. By December of 2008, the Aussie dollar had fallen to 65 U.S. cents. And in between, well, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were bailed out by the U.S. government. Lehman Brothers went bankrupt, Ireland backstopped their banks, Iceland's three largest banks collapsed, and finally, the U.S. and U.K. bailed out their entire banking system to prevent a collapse. And guess what? The S&P 500 responded just how you would expect it to and fell by over 34%. So for Australians investing without a currency hedge, the drastic fall in the market was offset by the drastic fall in the Aussie dollar. So total local currency losses for Australians were only around 3%.
0: But the same thing happens when the market is feeling better about things. The GFC bear market hit a low in March of 2009 and staged a strong rally. The Aussie dollar was worth 71 US cents in March, but quickly climbed. By December 2010, it had reached parity with the US dollar before topping out at $1.09 USD in April 2011. You missed out on almost half of the rally in local currency terms.
1: The other point that many people make is that the Australian dollar tends to trade in a bit of a range. So if we go back to 1998, we can see that the Aussie dollar had a low of 48 cents USD in 2001 and a high of dollar nine in 2011. But it's just basically bounced between these these two numbers.
0: That's right, and it hit that low in 2001, but then climbed up close to parity or a dollar. Australian to one dollar US in two thousand and eight, right before the financial crisis. Then it plunged down to sixty cents, also later in two thousand and eight, and then climbed above a dollar oh nine in twenty eleven, and then headed south again until the twenty twenty COVID market low at fifty seven cents, and then went up a bit and is now in the low sixty cents again.
1: Yeah, and what Shani is saying, and what we hear a lot from investors, is that now is the time to remove currency risk by buying a hedge product because the Australian dollar is so cheap, it is bound to go up in the future.
0: And nobody should use that as a strategy, but we just wanted to talk about what we're hearing.
1: So how should we think about things right now? Well, once again, it depends. If you think the worst is over, then history would suggest the Aussie dollar will gain against the US dollar. If you think things are going to head downhill from an economic perspective and get worse, then perhaps we will see the opposite. The Aussie dollar will continue to fall.
0: And the point is that we don't know what is going to happen with the market and what is going to happen with currency movements. But we do need to acknowledge that for an unhedged investor, when the market falls, the Aussie dollar has also fallen and protected you from the losses. And when the markets have gone up, the Aussie dollar has gone up and lowered the gains.
1: All right. So let's briefly touch on costs because we didn't mention this before, Shani. So to hedge foreign currency, of course, is an expense. So all those futures that we were talking about, and forward contracts. So it's important to look at the cost of the hedge versus unhedged products. So let's use the same example we used earlier, IVV and IHVV. So the unhedged product, IVV, has an extremely low total cost ratio of 0.04%. The IHVV, or hedge product, costs a still low 0.10%. And while that is low, of course, it's more than double the unhedged
0: product. But returns can vary more than this difference in cost. Over the past five years, the unhedged ETF, which is IVV, had an annual return of 14.21%. The hedge product, or IHVV, had a five-year annual return of 7.84%, and that puts a fee in perspective.
1: Yeah. And now we're going to return to something familiar, Shani, that we talk about all the time. And that, of course, is thinking about yourself and making a decision about which product you would use that's based on your own personal circumstances. And
0: I think this is an important point and leads us to the final thing we want to say. Your decision to use a hedged or unhedged product is based on your own personal situation. And let's use a simple example. Many people want to travel a lot in retirement. And while the Australian dollar falling helps with your investment returns, it makes it more expensive to travel.
1: Yeah. And that brings us full circle, right, to your $15 coffee, (laughs) Shadi. So this year, the Australian dollar has fallen 10% against the US dollar. So all things being equal, a trip to the US would cost 10% more. So if I'm planning on traveling a lot to the US, I would pick the unhedged version. Because if I was in retirement and selling off my investments or using dividends to pay for my life. I would get higher values in income than I normally would because of the weakness in the Aussie dollar.
0: And of course, that's for each person to decide.
1: Exactly. But we hope we illuminated a little bit this world of currencies and these different products that have been released like everything else. You have more options, but many investors just get confused by those further options. But. Thank you very much for joining. We would love a comment, as we were joking about before, or a rating. <laughs> and of course, my email address is in the podcast notes. Any advice in this podcast is general advice or regulated financial advice under New Zealand law prepared by Morningstar Australasia Proprietary Limited and or Morningstar Research Limited, without reference to your financial objectives, situations, or needs. You should consider the advice in light of these matters and any relevant product disclosure statement before making any decision to invest. To obtain advice for your own situation, contact a financial advisor.